Well, good morning and welcome. I'd like to welcome you to our services. My name is Pastor David Pray. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And whether you're watching online or here in the congregation, we are so glad that you come to worship with us. Pastor Doug and Jill are away along with 33 other people. They're in Greece and uh, they'll be coming back this Tuesday. So if you are thinking about them on Tuesday, pray for safety as they travel back into the United States and so forth. And Pastor Doug will be back in the pulpit this coming Sunday. So for those that are new, we're in a series called The Bible. It's a story of love, belonging, redemption, and hope. And what we're doing is we're going through each of the books of the Bible, and there's 66 books of the Bible, and we're taking one story from each of the books. And today we're going to be finishing the Minor Prophets as well as the entire Old Testament. So next week we move on to the New Testament. But today we finish up on the book of Malachi. And I want to start with a little story for you guys. And this story is, involves a Baptist church, and they're looking for the, let's say, the perfect pastor. Okay? And after a few weeks of candidating, and they vetted this pastor, they, get, they invited this pastor to come in and preach a sermon. And as he preached this sermon, the people said, you know what? He just wowed them. And they were like, you know what? We want this guy to be our pastor. And everyone was in agreement. And the, the pastor would start the following week, and he was available to start the following week. So he was excited. The congregation was excited for him. And so the first week, the pastor gets up to the pulpit, and he opens up his Bible, and he preaches the most powerful sermons that they've heard in such a long time. It was biblically sound, it was theological, accurate, and the application matched everyday life. And the people in the pews were nudging each other and saying, man, that is our pastor that's up there. We are so lucky to have him. And they said, this is just what we needed. Well, on the second Sunday, he walked up to the pulpit. He opened up his Bible once again. And again, he preached a powerful sermon that was biblical sound, theological accurate, and applications that just matched everyday life. And... Uh, Yet it was the same sermon as they heard the previous week. And even though it was a little strange to hear the same voice and the same stories, you know what? They were like, wow, he spoke with such passion. He spoke with such conviction. They kind of overlooked it because they learned something new in that second time that they heard it. And then week three came about and the pastor came up once again to the pulpit and he opened up his Bible and he didn't preach another sermon that was biblically sound, theological accurate, and the application matched everyday life. And, but it was the same sermon that he heard from the previous two weeks. And now the members of the congregation were getting a little concerned. Here's this great preacher here, and he's preaching the same message to the congregation week in and week out now for the three same weeks. And a few church members, they pulled together the deacons and said, hey, if this pastor preaches this same sermon next week, you need to have a talk with him. And the deacon said, oh, yeah, he won't do that. He won't do that. Well, the fourth week came up. And the pastor walked up to the pulpit, and he picked and read that same message, and he preached that same sermon once again. And now the people in the congregation, they were in an uproar. Who is this pastor that we hired? And after the service, the deacons asked the pastor if they could have a word with him. And they went into the pastor's office, and they started discussing, and the pastor said, well, what can I do for you guys? 
And the deacon said, well, we're a bit concerned that you're preaching the same sermon every single Sunday. We have a question for you. Do you have another sermon? And the pastor took his glasses and responded. He says, I do have another sermon, but the church hasn't obeyed the first one yet. So I read that story, and it reminded me of the minor prophets, because the past 11 weeks, we've been studying the minor prophets. And all the stories are kind of similar. You have the people that, you know, they're giving God joy, and they're in great relationships with God. And then the people start to rebel, and they go their own way. And they turn their back towards God. And then we see a great God who loves his people, and he sends a messenger, a minor prophet. And he gives this messenger a message to share with the people. And the message is quite simple. It's to repent of your wicked ways and come back to God. And as we learned through the past 11 books, that sometimes the people repented and they turned back, and sometimes they didn't, and they went their own way. Which leads us to the last prophet named Malachi. Now Malachi, it's a very short book. It's four chapters. You could read it in like 20 minutes or so. And I would encourage you to read the book of Malachi. But I will tell you one thing about it. It's uh, not a warm, fuzzy book, okay? It is not a warm, fuzzy book at all. And I know that some of you guys like knowing history, so I thought I'd give you a little history of the book of Malachi. So you have uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, they're contemporaries to Malachi. And if you remember back to the story with Nehemiah, you had the exiles, and they are returning back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah basically says, we need to build the walls. And then they build the walls for protection. They build it for security. And then you had Ezra, which was like the high priest, and he would share with them about God. And the people repented, the people had joy, life was good, they were worshiping God. And then decades upon decades passed by, and the people's hearts have changed. They went from praising God to their hearts being cold towards God, and they were filled with apathy. The Israelites moved from being joyful to lukewarm to indifference to laziness, to saying that God was irrelevant to their life. And they were only going through the motions of their sacrifices. See, as you read through the book of Malachi, you see there's, there's a spirit of skepticism and complacency among the people and among the priests. And it got so bad that the people began to question God to see if he was even relevant for them today. They would ask questions like, does God still love me? And of course, we know that God loves his people. But they weren't feeling it. They asked questions like, does God, does serving God really matter? And we know that to be true. But like I said, they weren't feeling it. You could say the Israelites and their priests lost their sense of honoring God and giving him their very best. So what does God do? What has he always done? God summons a new prophet. A man named Malachi. And it's Malachi's responsibility 
to be God's voice, to set the priests and set the people straight. And it's up to Malachi to awaken and to arouse the people to honor God and for the people to give their very best. And if you read through the book of Malachi, like I said, it's not a feel-good book. The message is pretty negative. Yet at the end of the book, there's a glimmer of hope to look forward to, that there's brighter days ahead if they trust in him. So we're going to pick this up in Malachi 1, verses 6 through 14. I'm just going to read it to you. It's on the screen behind me. It says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty? It is your priest who show contempt for your name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemplative when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not listen or would not light unless fires on my altar? I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profaned it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemplative. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemplatively, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, and diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has accepted male in his flock and vows to give it, but then a sacrifice of blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So ends the reading of the Lord. Now as I read this, it's the most uplifting passage I've read in a long time, isn't it? I had to think to myself, what could I possibly share with you from this wonderful passage the Lord has given his people? And as I long, thought long and hard, there was like two observations that I came up with, maybe two problems that I see that's happening in this passage that I want to share with you, and then we'll hit the application to it. When I read through this passage, the first thing that really hit me was the failure to honor God. And we see this right away, the failure to honor God. In verse 6, it says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due to me? And if I'm a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. Now imagine how bad things must have got. For the Lord to basically say this. There must be a reason the Lord is saying this to his people. Because things were so bad. 
Like I mentioned, there's great apathy among the Israelites towards the priest, towards God. The people had lost sight of what they were supposed to be doing for years now. The priest and the, and the people failed to honor God, and this was a very apparent in their temple worship, and especially toward the law of Moses. It was so bad that God sent Malachi to the people of Israel. And Malachi was there to remind them of how fall, how much they have fallen. See, during this time, they were not, their enemies were really nothing in the sense of, from a political standpoint, they were safety, they were secure. But their enemies that they were fighting right now was simply those of pride, compassion, or compromise, laziness, and indifference to God. See, the people of Israel had fallen so far from God that one commentator said that they could not see their right hand from their left. In other words, they couldn't see what was right in God's eyes to what was wrong in God's eyes. And as you can see from this verse, the people and the priests failed to honor God, and they failed to give him respect. One person once said, how we see God reflects our attitude, our behavior, and our actions in our life. I just want to read that again. It says, how we see God reflects our attitude, our behavior, and our actions in life. And as you read through the book of Malachi, it becomes painfully obvious that the people failed to honor God. And this was important to God. And there's a second point that I got from this passage. It was simply this. It's, a, it's that the priest and the people, they allow blemish animals for sacrifice. And some of you guys are like, what does this have to do with me? Well, let me just share about why this was important to God. See, God put the priest, and they were the spiritual leaders of the people, and the priests had the main responsibility to honor God and to carry out the laws of Moses and to teach people what is right from what is wrong. It was their responsibility. Yet it was the priests that were guilty of breaking the law that they were supposed to keep. And they learned this law from the law of Moses that we find in Leviticus 1 through 7. See, these animals were to be perfect. Nothing imperfect could be brought to the altar as a way of honoring God. And if there was a blemish, they were not supposed to accept it. See, these sacrifices were supposed to represent and point people to the Lamb of God. And as we will find out in the New Testament who the Lamb of God is, and we know the answer to that, which is Jesus. He was leading up people to Jesus. See, Jesus was the perfect in everything. And as we find in the New Testament, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was without blemish, and he took our place upon the cross. But in the Old Testament, they were under a sacrificial system. And they were supposed to take their very best animals to be sacrificed and given to God. But they were given to God through the priest. And this was their way of honoring God. 
This represented their sin offering. And by them doing this, they were putting God and honoring God and showing him reverence. But unfortunately, the priest started looking the other way. People started bringing their animals that were lame. And the priest said, oh, that's okay. You just keep on bringing them. And word got spread, I think, and they started, people started bringing their sick animals and the, la- and the lame animals. And the priest continuously looked the other way. And all of a sudden, it became the norm. And people looked the other way. And this was offensive to God. God was upset with the priest for not carrying on their responsibilities. He was upset at the people because instead of giving their very best animals, they were giving the very worst. And Malachi said, you wouldn't even give these animals to your governor. The governor would reject these things. Yet you serve the king of kings. Why would you bring the worst animals when you have the king of kings who doesn't want the blemish animals as a cheap sacrifice, as a cheap substitute? See, in both these cases, the priests and the people of Israel, they failed to honor God. They failed to give their very best, and they were unfaithful to God. And as you read through the book of Malachi, the sad story is, is that you see their actions over and over again about how unfaithful they are. And when I took a step back, I had to think to myself, well, there must be something good in the book of Malachi. And there is. But there was a particular verse that really stuck with me, and I want to share that. It's from Malachi 3.7. It says, Return to me, and I will return to you. And this is what God is saying to his people. He's saying, when you return to me, I will return to you. And we see it not only in Malachi, but we see it in 11 previous minor prophets, that God wants his people. God loves his people. He wants a relationship with them. And he shares with us one key central truth. And I just want to share it with you, is that God has great love for his people. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves of, is that we need to be reminded that God loves you, and God loves me, most anything at all. He loves us. Despite all the awful flaws that the Israelites and priests would have done, God never stopped loving his people. God still wants a relationship with his people. But God wants them to show honor. And he needs them to make a decision. And God is willing to forgive his people if they confess it with their mouth and if they turn from their ways. And we look for us that God has great love for us as well. And I know this is true for me. I know this is true for you, that despite the sins that we have committed to God, despite the times where we have turned our back towards God, despite the things that we might have believed that God could never forgive us, and I have had people come share with me in my office, saying, you know what, God could never forgive me for this. 
But what I want you to know is that God is willing to forgive you from everything because God loves you so very much. And God loves the Israelites and the priests. All he's saying is that we need to stop sinning. We need to acknowledge our sin. We need to ask for forgiveness. And we need to turn back to him. And when we turn back to him, we honor God. And we can give him our very best. So I have just a, some applications of how this applies to our life today. It says our actions and our attitudes and our behavior should reflect the love of God. Let me read, just say that one more time. Our actions and our attitude and our behavior should reflect the love of God. God does not just want us to be going through the motions of maybe coming to church or opening our Bible. He wants us to be filled with joy. If we truly love God, we want every area of our life to reflect that. We want to give God our very best. There's a verse in Matthew that um, really spoke to me this week that's very common for all of us. And I just want to read it to you. It's Matthew 22, verse 37. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So how do we honor God? How do we honor God and give him our very best? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that we can honor God with our time. How are we using our time? Are we making time in our day for God? And this could be simply praying to God. It could be pulling out our Bible and reading a passage. It could be just meditating upon him. But when we spend a little time in our day focusing on God, let me tell you, our hearts change. And we just build that relationship. We need to be focused on God sometime in our day. It just is so very helpful. Another thing that we could do when we honor God with our time is, do we make church a priority? Do we make Bible study a priority? Another way in which we can honor God is with our talents, with our gifts, and with our abilities. See, I believe that God has given each one of us talents, gifts, and abilities. And when we use these gifts to help other people, we're actually honoring God. When, God is, when we're using our gifts to help other people, it brings God glory. And I was thinking to myself, you know, there's a number of you that I know that are great cooks, okay? Because I've tasted a lot of your pies, and I go to potlucks, and you guys do a marvelous job. I just want to let the congregation know that. But I would say that you have a talent. And we have, sometimes we have people in our congregation that are going through rough times. Or there may be people in your community that are going through difficult times. And I'm saying, from a person who has a family of seven, if you have someone that makes a meal, you're very grateful. And when you're going through a difficult time and you have friends that come alongside you and provide a meal, let me tell you, when you use your gifts, you are honoring God. Now, some of you are in here, you know, you don't have that gift of cooking, but you have the gift to fix things up. And I'm telling you, that's a special gift in itself there, too, because I don't have that gift either. And I can tell you, when people come to my house and they can fix something, I will tell you, you are honoring God and you are helping me out tremendously. And we need people like that. We need people that can join our building and grounds team or our handy helpers. 
and our handy helpers team is they get a call from the church and maybe from a widow and we have handy helpers and they go to the person's house and they fix whatever needs to be fixed the best they can do but i am telling you when you use your gifts in fixing things you're honoring god some of you guys have the gift of you know working with children and you could be teachers or you can serve in the nursery or you can even help help out your grandchild or your family or maybe it's the next door you know that they have family the kids and by watching their kids and allowing them maybe to go on a date or get to a doctor's appointment you are honoring god through that process some of you guys just have the warm friendly face and you can pull out your hand and you can greet people we need people like that too in this church and you can be a worship welcomer or you can open the doors and you can greet people and when you do those things you're honoring god you truly are what's another way in which we can honor god is with your temple which is your body do you realize that our bodies are the temple of god that god lives inside each and every one of us he calls us to be christians the question mark is what are the things you're putting in your body and your mind you may have to ask yourself is are the movies and the television shows or the things you're watching on your smartphone are they pleasing to god And that's something that you may have to wrestle with. God already knows what you're watching. It's not a, you know, a new thing for him. But are you honoring God with what you're watching or what you're listening to? The last way in which we can honor God is with our treasure. Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure, your heart will be also. And God wants us to honor him with our offerings. Just as the Israelites were supposed to honor God with their sacrifices, God calls us, to honor him with our offerings our first fruits the question mark is are we doing that are we showing honor to god through our offerings see in summary god cares a lot about if we're honoring him and if we're doing our very best when we can look at our own selves are we honoring god with our time with our talents with our temple and our treasury we need to give God our very best. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with hearts that want to honor you. We want to give you our very best. But Lord, at times, we're selfish. Lord, forgive us when we put ourselves before you. Lord, we ask you to help us, whether it's through our time, whether it's through our talents, whether it's through the temple that we've held you in, or even our treasures. Lord, help us to honor you, Lord, in all areas of our life. Amen.